Do you want us to keep producing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there? If so, there's a way you can help. If you enjoy this show, please consider donating to help us pay for the cost of making it available. You can do so by using the PayPal link in the description of the podcast or on social media sites where we post it. Even a small donation would help. Thanks in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. Woo, buddy, this offense, there is no telling how good it can be. Welcome to Rams Rewind, live here in the VC Good, the Bad, and the Ugly group and out there in podcast land. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear and you want to help us out, uh, like I think Ian Baxter did this week, thank you very much, Ian. Uh, you can uh, donate to the PayPal. There's a link in the description uh, on all your pod- podcast platforms, and we will shout you out for doing that. Um, and, and Daniel Carter with the perfect comment to start offense was wickedly efficient today. Minus a couple of moments of drift here and there. And there was a lot of drift in the second half and we'll get to that. But my goodness, this offense with Joe Bamisil on the floor and you saw everything from Joe Bamisil, like in the first couple minutes, his first basket, he gets a smaller guy on him. He posts him right up, shoots right over him, scores the next one balls kicked out to him. It's a three bam. And I'll tell you what. You know, I was thinking, well, you got to ease him in and all this other stuff. So much for easing the guy in. There were a couple of quick trigger threes from him I didn't like. But yes, he set the tone, Jonathan Green. That's exactly it. And Joe Bamisil, you know, 11 points in 19 minutes. So I guess in that sense, they did kind of ease him in a little bit. 19 minutes, you know, and you could see how happy he was to be out there. He made some plays on defense. He was smiling. He was clapping. Oh, goodness. Joe Bamisil couldn't wait for this. And, yeah, I, 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 the only thing I would say for him is a couple of those threes, he needed to shot fake and drive because he's got that slashing ability. Don't don't kid yourself. Joe Bamisil can absolutely do what Zeb did a bunch tonight, which I was really happy with Zeb uh, in, on some of those. And that slash the basket, get to the rack, and get, and, and, and get either fouled, get a basket of both. So tremendous from him. It was great to see him back. And, I mean, that first half, I mean, one of the, uh, who was it that said it was almost perfect? Uh, and it was pretty close to perfect. Uh, Bruce Stevenson, it was pretty close to perfect. I mean, they were 61% from the field. They were 50% from three. 12 assists on 19 made baskets. You, you can't argue with that. And, and, well, you know what, Mitch, I'll get to that. I, I, that's a good question. I'll get to that because I think the answer is yes, but I'm not sure. The second half, they drifted offensively. They got really sped up, which was frustrating. There were a lot of quick shots early in the clock that they didn't need to take. Um, and and it reflected it. 11 made field goals, six assists. You know, six assists to the half isn't much. The good news is they only had six turnovers. And the better news is, is that yet again... A game that could have got interesting because they let Temple get really hot in the second half. Temple, 19 to 35. That's, you know, 
that that's pretty darn good in the second half from the field, 54%. It didn't get interesting because yet again, VCU proficient at the foul line. And we're gonna, and you know, this this is this is getting into historic territory, what this VCU team is doing at the foul line for the for for the in the history of the school. It's absolutely tremendous. But Joe Bam is still starting is very interesting, Mitch McGuire, because for me, the key is this. The key is less minutes for our better players so that they're fresher in the end. Now, Zeb ended up with 34. Zeb had a couple bad plays tonight, but Zeb was very good. Let's uh, let's understand this. He was very good. Six of seven from inside the arc. Seven assists, six boards, filled the stat sheet up, missed a quadruple nickel by one steal, one turnover from Zeb. So, fabulous from Zeb, but in general... Not sure I want to see him play 34 minutes, if I'm honest. Not really sure I want to see him do that. But show the 28 minutes. Nelson, 23 minutes. That's what Bamisil can give you, is you do not have to overextend these guards. We talked about that when we did the special episode when he was when he, when, when the judge made him and all the other players eligible, which is now, of course, turned from two weeks of eligibility until the rest of the season. That's the key for me. And yeah, the the and yes, Bruce, that honestly, that's the other thing that makes the second half a little eh. The second half would have been a lot better, but yeah, you had missed shots at the rim. They gotta keep working on that because they, you know, they had the big lead in this game and they were never really threatened. But in a close game, that'll kill you, those those layups. You got to hit those, you've got to hit the square. You've got to take the contact and put them in. And if you and and Christian Furman, if you're that close to the basket, you might as well dunk it. Because that's what Toby does. And Toby is right for doing that. Uh, and I love that Toby does that. Because that's that's what that's what you should do. If you're that close, just slam it right in there. Don't even fool, don't even fool with the doggone, with the doggone uh uh layup in that case. And yes. I mean, and that's the other thing. VCU didn't play well on offense in the second half and still got 87, and they don't have Sean Barristow yet. That's why, again, if you're, if I'm warning you now, you're going to get tired of me in the fan groups and on Twitter of the Death Star memes and the Emperor Palpatine laughing memes all the time. This is... The, the battle station is are fully armed and nearly fully operational, and you're going to be sick of it. Because I'm telling you right now, if Barristow comes back and integrates in as well as it looks like Joe Bamisil's going to, and again, we've only had one game, so I know I have to slow my roll a little bit on that. The firepower this team's got is going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. Again, they should have had, you don't think about the layups, and a couple of shots that went in and out, they could have easily had 95 to that. And defensively, not great in the second half. After a pretty good first half, they got to do a lot better there. But some of that too is, again, you get that drift when you get such a big lead. And that's something that they've got to kind of crack down on. And honestly, you need, you need Michael Bell out there. Michael Bell's not the best scorer, but you're going to have... Look, in this lineup, you've got three guys. You're going to have three guys that can fill it up at all times. So Bell and either Wall or Furman 
you have out there for defensive purposes. And yes, they can score too. But look, you're not going to be short scores. Famasil, Phillips, even though we didn't have a huge game today. Shulga, Jackson, Nelson. You're going to have three really capable scores on the floor at all times. Sometimes four, and when Barristow gets here, four. So having Michael Bell on the floor is not a luxury. You need him defensively. And I think the fact that he did not play that much in the second half, I think that's why defensively they drifted, because he is a really good defensive player, and he sets the tempo there as well. And give Temple credit. When they couldn't hit threes early, except for Hoffman, my God, that Hoffman couldn't miss most of this game. Uh they they you know they went inside, they they went inside, and that opened and eventually opened some things up for them outside. But they went inside early in the second half, and and it won't seem like it. They still only shot thirty five percent from three in the second half and thirty five percent for the game. They were six to seventeen in both halves. It's just that they really got going on the inside game early. That was you know High Sale Miller and and White doing that as well. But Hoffman, I'm telling you what. And that's the other thing they got to learn. He's not the only big guy that they're going to face that can do that. So when you when you attack that pick and roll, you, if you're not going to switch, you have to stay with these big sh- uh, deep shooters, these tall deep shooters, the Deron Holmeses of the world. Because yes, often they're going to roll to the basket. But there are plenty of guys in this league who are often size and bigger, who can step out and shoot it. So stay with them and don't get magnetized the ball. This is a very good lesson to learn today because it didn't cost them the game and it did, and it, and it, and it's not going to mean anything in the wash except they don't win by as much as they should have. But don't, when you attack, when you attack that pick and roll, whether you switch or not, whether you go over the screen or not, you stay with that role man, the big guy. You stay with the screener because often it's going to be a guy who can step out and shoot. Davidson, St. Bonaventure, Dayton, few of these other teams in this league have somebody like that. You know, Neil Quinn for the doggone Spiders too. Don't, don't get magnetized to the basketball. Remember your defensive responsibility and stick with that because because everybody's going to see that take. And they're going to try to do the same damn thing. So Furman and Lowell got to be disciplined with that. If they switch, they switch. And if you're going to recover, you got to recover fast. But don't leave the guy wide open and just hope that he misses the jumper. Because often there's enough really good shooting big guys in this league that that's not going to be the case. But let's get back to the really good things because there were so many really good things in this game. Goodness gracious. Um... The foul shooting, yes, as I mentioned it earlier, 18 to 21 from the foul line. <laughs> I mean, seriously, folks, you know, they're, 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 they are going to have a real go at finishing in the top 10, maybe even the top five in the country in foul shooting. And I'm willing to bet that's never happened in the history of this school, that we've had a top five, top 10 foul shooting team in the nation. That's what happened. That, and that's what's happening right now. You know, that's what could very well happen. And you look, every time Temple made a big run in this game, one of the things that stopped it were free throws. Shulga goes to the line and makes all 10 of them. 
beautiful, absolutely fantastic. And that's what, you, and I mean, that is, that is how you stop runs. That's how you get yourself out of, out of long droughts. Time and again, that's what you're looking for. And you know what, Bruce Stevenson, that's right too. 18 assists, 12 turnovers is not too bad. It's not too bad. But it, this is astounding because the, sec, the second year of Bones, I think they were 31st in the nation in foul shooting, and that was almost all Bones Island. Bones Island was insanely good from the foul line. I think the upper 80s that year, that was almost all Bones Island. I don't think this is going to be almost all Matt Shulga because, I mean, the other guys are making foul shots too, and we just didn't miss that many. But seriously, we are looking at a historic foul shooting team for VCU, and, I'd ha- and, I'd, and I mean, I'd have to dig back in the record books to see if we had a better foul shooting team than this. If we have, it probably would have been in the J.D. Barnett, Barnett era or something like that or in those, you know, the... That run they had in the late 70s, early 80s when they were really, really good. Uh, you know, that it's just tremendous. Look, Bruce, I'm here to tell you, 12 turnovers and below. You only have 12 turnovers in a game. Your turnover rate's going to be low, and you're going to be fine. And look, the other team had 12 as well. And considering how bad this team has been in turnover margin, I'll take evens. I'll take an even split. That is okay. That is okay. 12 turnovers in a, in a college basketball game is a good number. You get above that, it starts to get dicey. You do that and below, you've done well. Uh, no, John O'Neill, here's what happened. The original ruling said this is there any, that he's eligible for two weeks and then there'll be another ruling the 27th. Both parties... The attorneys general and the players that were involved in the case and the NCAA came to a mutual agreement that for the rest of the season, these players would be eligible and then this would be revisited in the summer. So Joe is eligible for the rest of the season. He does not lose eligibility and there's no forfeiting games or anything like that if this is overturned. Joe is free for the rest of the year which is absolutely huge. And again, this case needs to be pursued because the NCAA's rule has got to be changed or done away with or whatever. It's got to be. So this is the right thing for all parties. It's the best case scenario. And look, you saw, and that's the other thing. Everybody on that court, when Joe Bamasil got on that court, was happy. They were thrilled. And they were thrilled for him. And that's going to that's going to last the whole season. They're excited. Their energy's up. It's great. Um, and yes, I'm actually I've actually got that on the TV now, Clemson and Memphis. It's 57-52 at the under 12 in Memphis. I've got that on now because it's ESPN Plus. And I'm watching that as we do this recap. Uh wanna single out, wanna single out some other folks today. Some great defensive efforts by LaWall and Furman both. A um, couple of times they were kind of left in the lurch by guards, you know, driving past our guards and stuff, and they still made some good defensive plays. Jason Nelson, honestly, maybe the play of the game. You know, he slips and should have turned this ball over. Somehow gets out the bell, 
Bell makes a great drive and then sees the wall open, gets him the ball, and the wall slams it. And that was pretty much the last nail in the coffin. That was tremendous. Michael Bell's defense, yes, absolutely. Bruce Stevenson, this is a very good defensive team when he's on the floor. And that's why, if anything, 19 minutes is probably a little low for him, in my estimation. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough parsing these minutes out. Because, again, I don't really want to see Zeb playing 34 minutes. But when Zeb's doing what he's doing today, it's hard to get him off the floor. 8 of 14 from the field. Six boards, seven assists, one turnover. Oh, Ken, you will not, you will, you have a hard time pulling anybody off the floor doing that. You know, so that's going to be the conundrum for Ryan Odom. And it's a great problem to have. It is a great problem to have, but that's going to be the conundrum because they absolutely need Bell out there for defense. There's no two ways about it. He is a great defender, and their defense is a pretty good defense when he's on the floor. Yeah, Shulga's a workhorse. A couple of times, I'll tell you what, a couple of times I was getting frustrated with some of these drives and off-bound shots, but then he'd get bailed out by the whistle. But man, when when he gets that foul line, whew, and that's the other thing, Shulga's shot selection was good. Only takes three threes today. You know, his defender was not going to let him shoot the three. Okay, I'll drive inside, and I'll either get the basket or get fouled. Uh, and I think that's, you know, I think that tells you, I think that's a great sign from Max Shulga. And and the reason he played some def- decent defense, Bruce, he wasn't, he wasn't having to do as much. He wasn't having to bring up the ball up the floor as much. He didn't feel, he didn't feel the pressure on him to score as much. So he can do, he can be more energetic on the defensive end because he's not having to carry so much weight. And that is... All the other guards playing well, but that is also Joe Bamisil being in. And again, it on the load only lines further when they get Sean Bearstow. And remember, this is two games in a row where this offense has really started to cook. Really started to cook. And I'm telling you, folks, like I say, I, I'm liking it. I'm I I'm gonna get out over my skis a little bit. We can be the Death Star, blowing up these opponents of ours. Like the Death Star blew up Alderaan. When this thing is, when this battle station is armed and fully operational, you better be running for the hills. Because I'm telling you right now, this offense, that offense that we saw the last, the first, first 10, 9, 10 games of the season, forget it. Forget it. Because everything changes now with Bamasil first and then Bearstow next, presuming we can keep Bearstow healthy. And we can integrate him into the team, and that and again, I have, I have supreme confidence in Ryan Odom on that because he's going to know him better than all of us. He's he's coached him now for a couple of years. He's going to know the right way to get to get Barristow integrated into this team, and I and I just I have no doubt about that, none whatsoever. Uh, I think it's going to I think it's it's going to work. It's going to be fantastic. And the big key is that's what these we talked about it after the Alcorn State game. We are building for January 3rd and St. Bonaventure and the conference schedule. And that's a thing. Bamisil and Barristow, having them fully, fully enmeshed in this offense and in this defense and in how this team plays, it's a scary proposition for the rest of you, A10. And yes, 
I will be cackling and laughing like Emperor Palpatine many times this year. I gotta tell you, and and I know what I'm gonna sound like, I don't care. But I am projecting here, but I really do think the... I, I, I don't think it's as ridiculous as some people thought. Zach Joaquin, who's a friend of this show, was tweeting out about how Bamisil and Bearstow will make this team the favorite in the A10, and I agree with him. And maybe and, and I think it's actually possible they could be the runaway favorite. Now look, Temple's defense isn't that great. Alcorn State's defense isn't that great. Neither will UMES or Gardner-Webb. So they're going to get tested against some good defenses in this league. But I'm telling you, this firepower we've got, this firepower we got is 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 a sight to behold because we haven't had that before. Again, they played not very well in the second half and they still should have had 90 plus. They're going to have a 100 point game this year. I I'm as I'm as convinced of that now as I am anything that they're going to have a night when they get real hot and tripled figures is going to happen. I I am certain of it. And yeah, Kawani Kawani what amazing what happens when the ball goes in the hoop, Bruce Stevenson. He just needed one to go in. <laughs> now a lot of them are going in. And here's the key, though. He's not forcing shots. He's not, he's not just heat checking. A lot of his threes are in the context of the offense, and he's still making some really good plays. You know, he's opening the corner, and instead of just jacking it, fake, you know, drives, gets. Gets the shot up, gets fouled, goes to the foul line. Beautiful. Beautiful. Huh. Dayton and St. Joe's, I'll tell you what, those will be that's St. Joe's game in particular, because that that's an offense that can fill it up. Uh take the uh, it's gonna be that could be a game where both teams are in the 80s or 90s. So, you know, this I am so excited for the rest of the season, I cannot stand it. And I think that this team is absolutely gonna be the number one team in this conference. I I think they're going to win this regular season. And again, I understand how that sounds, and I'm opening myself up to looking like a total idiot, and uh, and I could be so far out over my skis that I'm almost horizontal. I don't care. The Death Star is almost complete. And woe to anybody in the rebellion that thinks they could take us on, because I got news for you, VCU. VCU is bringing more to the party on the offensive end than they brought in a long time. And look, it's going to come for Furman and Lawal. You know, it's going to come for them. Yeah, they're not scoring a lot lately and they're not getting a lot of shot opportunities. It'll come for them. Because at some point, these defenses are going to have to be so worried about these guards shooting over them threes, shooting over them layups, worried about them driving, that they're going to leave that they're going to leave Furman and the wall open for easy baskets, layups, and dunks. That's that's my that's what I believe at this point. Well, uh, and it's not a bad one, Bruce Stevenson. It's V. He has, Bruce Stevenson says his top four is VCU, St. Bonaventure, St. Joe's, and Dayton. Well, that's a pretty good top four. That's a pretty good top top four. It's those four and Duquesne. To me, those are the four that have separated from the rest. Of course, the problem for all of us in a sense, is that the middle and bottom of this conference is a lot better. Don't do a little A-10 brethren for you today. LaSalle gave Miami a whole ration down there in Coral Gables. 
They were down big in the first half and cut that lead down to four in the last five minutes of the game. They didn't win, but LaSalle's going to be a tough out. Richmond's going to be a tough out. They've played some really good games. St. Bonaventure is playing, um, I think they're playing Florida Atlantic right now. And you know what? Let's just do a little, let's just do a little quick look and see what that score is. But I think they're playing Florida Atlantic right now. You know, um, but I mean, the middle of this conference and even the bottom of this conference has played well. Uh, and yeah, there's been some disappointing teams. I mean, you know, St. Louis looks terrible, but they one of their players that they've been trying to get eligible is eligible now. And and that could change their situation. By the way, St. Bonaventure, early, it's early, but eight points up on Florida Atlantic at the under eight in the first half. So, Bonnie's. And that is that is such a huge game in prospect. And, and that is such a big test. And, of course, the thing is, that's why the Hoffman thing is a good th- is a good lesson to have now. Because while Chad Benning might not be able to shoot threes like Hoffman had, Chad Benning has got that kind of size. In fact, he's a little bit bigger, and he's very skilled. And Chad Benning wore us out at the Seagull Center last year, and we're going to have to do a better job on him if we're going to beat St. Bonaventure in that first game. And that first game is just gigantic uh, at the Seagull Center, January third, to start the new year. So I am excited, and I hope everybody else out there is too, because again, we are looking at one of the best offensive teams VCU's ever had for many, 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 many years, and we are looking at the best foul shooting team maybe VCU's ever had. So that's something I'm going to have to dig into, and golly Moses, I wish we're in the days now where all the media guides are digital, or, or people don't even hand out media guides anymore. So it, it may take it's gonna take me a while to find it, but I'm gonna look and see. Cause I am guessing this is the best fat as we stand right now, and it's gonna go up today, there'll be over 78% as a team foul shooting after today's performance. In fact, VCU's been so good about updating their their stats that they might already have that updated. Let's see here. Because they have been that that's how good they've been. Is that they uh, they have up? Oh, no, they don't have it this time. I mean, they've been unbelievable at getting stats out and getting them updated. But they were just under seventy eight percent before today, and they shot eighty five. You know, they shot eighty five percent today. So they're they probably are going over seventy eight percent as a team for the season. I think this is the best foul shooting team ever. But I'm going to have to do some research on that. All right. So excellent performance. Now. Uh, next, let's see here. What do we got? We've got Maryland Eastern Shore on Friday at 7. We'll all cross our fingers and toes that I can get off work on time. Uh, it's been, Fridays haven't been too bad usually, so I, I like last night, it wouldn't have been a problem. Last night, I would have been here almost as the game started and would have been able to do the video and all of that, so we're going to hope that that is the case and we'll have a pod. I am hoping, because again, we have another six-day break, to have another special pod for you in the midweek, but we're still efforting on that. So, you know, just just watch, just uh, just follow on Twitter or Facebook or whatever that you're doing in the VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly group. If you're not a member, please join. We'll keep you we'll keep you apprised of that. We are still efforting that. We're going to try to have a special episode for this six day break coming up, and then we will have another one between uh, Maryland Eastern Shore and Gardner Webb. That one I'm pretty more solid on that that's going to happen. So I want to thank everybody in the game thread for the comments. And again, 
that you're not part of the good and the bad, the ugly group. Our game threads are a lot of fun. Eight, you know, uh, we keep our eye on the non-conference teams in the conference and our teams in the conference that we play. VCU by the numbers made its debut this week. Uh, that's a weekly. That's a weekly thing. And of course, you know, we're we're getting to the end of non-conference play. So A10 brethren will then be going away, replaced by around the A10, where we keep the uh, the old A10 scoreboard up on the nights that we're playing and all that sort of thing, and keep our eye on our conference. Uh, on our conference as conference play gets going and all those things. That's why you should be part of the good and the bad of the group. Plus these live videos in here while we're doing the podcast. Thank you all very much for your comments, especially in the video. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And, and, and for the comments in the thread and, you know, we'll see you next Friday. Hopefully live uh, for Maryland Eastern shores is VC and hopefully it's all cross our fingers and toes. The beginning of the Sean Barstow uh, era here at BCU. Thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.